When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finally, we know who rescued Grogu from Order 66. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Dan Casey, and today we're breaking down the latest episode of The Mandalorian. Chapter 20, The Foundling, takes us across the galaxy far, far away from the Foundling Fight Club to the mean streets of Coruscant. Most importantly, Chapter 20 answers one of the most burning questions of all about the wee baby Grogu. How many frogs can he eat in a single sitting? Wait, sorry, I meant that's my question. The real question is, how did Grogu survive Order 66? Well, the answer was a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one, maybe even the best one. And it could have major implications for the rest of the galaxy far, far away as well. But to talk about this in detail, we have to spoil what happens in the latest Mando. Now, if you prefer to read all about it, Michael Walsh has you covered over on Nerdist.com. But if you haven't seen it yet, well, now's your chance to run for cover. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? Now, the title of the episode, The Foundling, has two different meanings. On its face, it refers to Grogu embarking on his Mandalorian training, and also to Ragnar, the son of Paz Vizsla, who took a Mando school bus field trip inside a raptor's innards. I was the field trip? After spending most of last week with Dr. Pershing's sordid saga of biscuits and betrayal, Chapter 20 returned the focus to Big Daddy Din, the wee baby Grogu, and Born Again Catan, as they continue to integrate into this Mandalorian covert. Although, based on their training location and how they're just straight up blasting the lake, which is canonically full of monsters, maybe they should be called the Mandalorian Obvious, because there's nothing covert about them. Are you sure this is a good idea? I guess that's the price they pay, though, for settling down in space Australia with its plethora of carnivorous creatures. Obviously, none of them knew Qui-Gon Jinn, or else they might know there's always a bigger fish. There's always a bigger fish. But who knows, maybe they like having all these monsters around. Between Boba Fett taming the Rancor, the Mythosaur lurking on Mandalore, and these ravenous raptors, the Mandalorians are further cementing their status as glorified Pokémon trainers. And speaking of wanting to be the very best like no one ever was, Grogu's forced by Din to start his foundling training with a game of darts. And while Grogu seems hopelessly mismatched against the larger youth Ragnar, Din seems pretty confident in his young ward. I've seen what you can do. One does not speak unless one knows. Well, fortunately for young Ragnar, he can still speak because Grogu just pulled out some sweet Luke Skywalker-style force jumps rather than crushing his larynx like Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> now, unfortunately for Ragnar, though, his helmet must limit his peripheral vision because he can't see that prehistoric pterosaur snatching him from above. And given the fact the Mandos remarked they've lost so many families to that damn bird already, you'd think they'd be a little bit more on the lookout, like have one person be on Birdwatch. Birdwatch. Anyway, while Bo-Katan does her best Apocalypse Now impression by following the bird back to its lair, then leading Din, Paz, and the Shriekhawks on a rescue mission, Grogu is left behind to hang out with the Armorer. If you wish to become a Mandalorian, there is much work to attend to. 
And once again, we see the hypnotic, trauma-inducing power of the Armorer's Forge. While she's crafting Grogu a rondel to cement his journey as a Mandalorian foundling, Grogu has vivid flashbacks to the night of Order 66, just like Din had vivid flashbacks to his youth at the Forge back in Season 1. Now, we've previously seen some snippets of Grogu's repressed memories of that horrible night when the clone troopers began to systematically exterminate the Jedi and murder everyone in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. The Jedi guarding Grogu give their lives as they get this terrified Tot into an elevator and try to send him to his supposed savior. It's a nice reversal here of the Luke Skywalker elevator reveal from the end of Season 2. But even better is the reveal that Jar Jar Binks himself, Ahmed Best, is the one who rescues the wee baby Grogu from Palpatine's roving death squads. This dual-wielding Jedi in question is Kelleran Beck. He's a character that Best originated on the children's game show Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge. This 10-episode series was basically Legends of the Hidden Jedi Temple, with prospective Padawans competing in Jedi training-themed challenges. Kelleran was basically billed as the Dean of the Jedi, so it makes a lot of sense why he'd be the one to help Grogu escape the chaos of Order 66. Known as the Sabered Hand because of his deadly proficiency with a lightsaber, he was also renowned for his ability to dual-wield them using a style known as Jarkai. The reputation was well-deserved considering the grievous wounds he dealt all the Tamiras Morrison in the 501st that chased after them. Vader's fist? More like shots missed. I said... This actually marks Ahmed Best's third role in the galaxy far, far away. In Attack of the Clones, Best also appears in the Outlander Club, where Obi-Wan and Anakin are looking for the bounty hunter Zam Wessel. According to Best, this character is named Ahmed Beck and is related to Kelleran Beck, but that might just be headcanon for the time being. Back to the matter at hand, as Beck and Grogu speed through the Coruscant night sky, you can see Monument Plaza and the Pico Vumate, which we glimpsed last episode. Unfortunately, there's no time for glowing popsicles this week, just lightsabers. Our heroes are being chased by Republic gunships, which you may recall from the Battle of Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. Now, the response here is only slightly harsher than trying to touch Umate itself. <laughs> Please refrain from physical um, contact with so Umate. Sorry. Eventually, Beck makes another happy landing on a rooftop space spaceport. There, members of the Naboo Royal Guard are waiting for them with a Nubian yacht to help ferry them off-world. These elite guards of Naboo's queens and senators had a ship all fueled up and ready to go for all Jedi fleeing the temple. And that raises the question, who tipped them off? There are a couple of likely suspects here, the first of which is Naboo's queen-turned-senator Padme Amidala. We know that she was on Coruscant during the events of Order 66, and she didn't buy the narrative that the Jedi had betrayed the Republic. And given her considerable resources, the loyalty she inspires in her troops, and her proximity to the Jedi, it makes a lot of sense that she might have orchestrated this. She could have created a way for the Jedi to escape the Purge on Coruscant before the Sith hits the fan, and Anakin lost both the physical and moral high ground. Next up is someone who Padme trusted implicitly and was later entrusted with keeping her kids secret and keeping them safe, Bail Organa. As a fellow senator and early ally of the Rebel Alliance that would form later on, Bail likely had the connections and wherewithal to help engineer a way for these Jedi to escape using Padme's assets. After that, we have a true dark horse, not like Sith Lord Dark despite the prevailing theories, but someone who was a senator, a friend to the Jedi, and someone with deep ties to Ahmed Best. Folks, I'm talking about Jar Jar Binks! That's right, this gung-ho Gungan was Naboo's other senator during the time of Order 66. 
And what better way to help atone for turning Palpatine from the Senate into the Emperor than by helping the Jedi to escape the horrors of Order 66? Plus, this could set up a wild on-screen reunion between Ahmed Best as his two most prominent characters in the galaxy far, far away. Depending on where Beck takes the wee baby Grogu, they could even spin this off into a miniseries called Jar Jar's Bizarre Adventure. Last but not least, we have Master Yoda, who would undoubtedly be aware of Grogu and knows basically everybody in the galaxy far, far away. Given his role in splitting up the Skywalker siblings to protect them in Revenge of the Sith, maybe he used his influence to keep an eye out for his secret son Grogu during the events of Order 66 as well. That's right, secret son. It's canon. There is another. Probably not, but hey, we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> As for where Beck and Grogu are off to, that's anybody's guess. We see them narrowly avoid the TIE Fighter-esque V-Wing Starfighters as they flee Coruscant and punch it to hyperspace. While Grogu managed to elude Imperial capture in the years that followed, we know he eventually wound up in the hands of Nikto mercenaries on Arvala 7 by the time of Mandalorian Season 1. Chances are Beck didn't take Grogu back to Naboo, given that it's the most obvious place in the galaxy to look for them after their daring escape. But then again, sometimes the most obvious place is the last place someone playing four-dimensional Jarek like Palpatine would bother to look. So for now, we finally answered the burning canon question of who rescued Grogu from Order 66, but in turn we raised several other questions. As for those answers, we'll just have to wait until Grogu earns more pieces of armor so we can have even more traumatic Foundry PTSD flashbacks. Maybe about his time working as Senator Binks's intern, or keeping a low profile with Boss Nass back on Naboo. <laughs> Anyway, folks, there you have it. That's everything you need to know about The Mandalorian's biggest reveal. We'll have even more breakdowns, theories, and deep dives for you in the days ahead over on Nerdist as well. But for now, tell us, what did you think of this week's episode? What was your reaction to Ahmed Best's return? And who do you think helped Keller and Beck escape? What's this? A local. Let us know in the comments below, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. 